On this episode, we discuss Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, Turtles in Time. The only movie with the word turtle twice in the title. Find another one, I dare you. Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. How you doing there, Dan? Not, not great, but how are you? I'm good, because I'm Stuart Wellington. Oh, okay. And I'm in the middle, Elliot Kalen. I'm doing pretty good in my personal life, but I'm a little worried about the world situation. Average it out to a gentleman C+. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's not bad, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, if that's like your grade for gym, that's uh, okay. Do you like, grade people at gym? You don't, what, was your gym you, you pass-fail? Great. Yes. Yeah, Jim, I think, is almost always pass-fail. I feel you like I that, got... You think, that, <laughs> you think that Jim teachers just sit in his office at night grading, what, your times on the shuttle runs? I, it's not just that, right? Don't you also have to, like, fill out tests about, like, what are the rules to hockey? Yeah. <laughs> no. Nope. Or how to do a pull-up best? How to do, it's a five-paragraph essay about pull-ups. Yeah. yeah. And I wrote mine on diapers, the pull-up <laughs> diapers, and that was not what he wanted. Mm-hmm. Although much more useful in your paper. daily life, right? Oh yeah, yeah, I use that information all the time. People say you don't learn what you're going to use, and you don't use what you learn in gym in your regular life. But I did with that essay on. Yeah, that's the thing. Like I remember, Dan told me the first time uh, you walked into the Daily Show as a head writer, you had just pulled up your diaper and you said, "I'm a big kid now." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Mommy, wow, I'm a big kid now." <laughs> oh, I'm sorry for misquoting you. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was it was a weird power move, but we all, you know, it worked. (laughs) We all showed him the respect afforded someone who could use a diaper. (laughs) Uh, Use a potty, Dan. All right. (laughs) The diaper is just there as an emergency backup. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Think of it as a fire extinguisher in your pants. Okay. uh, (laughs) Sure, I will. I guess. Very useful in case your pocket catches on fire. Yeah. Um, I guess that's right. Uh, so what do we do on this podcast, Dan? There's that question that I... Wait, I have a, be- Wait, I have a better question. Dan, what do we okay. do on this podcast? <laughs> okay. Yep. Answer his first. All right. Uh, to the gentleman on Skype, I will say that this is a podcast where we watch a bad movie, and then we talk about it. And to the gentleman uh, follow- directly to my right, mm-hmm. this is a podcast where we watch a bad movie, and then we talk about oh, okay. it. Okay. Uh, I have one follow-up. Yeah. Uh, what movie did we watch this time? We watched a movie called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. Now, wait, wait, wait. Let me see. Uh, I think I have a question. This is the question uh, my wife Charlene asked me okay. when I was watching this movie. Yeah. Why the fuck was I watching that movie? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, so we're doing another pod crawl with uh, some fellow podcasts. Uh, one of them is Read It and Weep. I'm not really sure what the other one was. I okay. should have found that out. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I hope it was not Louis C.K. and Harvey Weinstein's white nationalism podcast. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, the their podcast, If True. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, if True. Yeah, so between the three podcasts, we're watching all three of the old-style Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle movies. And you can go to podcrawl.space 
That's podcrawl.space to have all of the uh, podcasts lumped together on a, on a convenient website. Is that where all the uh, space websites are located? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's Neil deGrasse Tyson's uh, yeah. website. Oh, God damn it, I don't want to support that guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know why you said that, but I'm sure with the way the news is going, we'll find out some reason not to support I mean, there's already been allegations against him recently. <laughs> oh, great. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know about that. Yikes. What is it with these Tyson boys? <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson, Mike Tyson, Tyson Chicken, they all have their problems, you know? <laughs> yep. Uh, let's stay anyway, away from this. So, so Dan, you're saying that <laughs> One, uh, Rita and Weep is doing what? Ninja Turtles, the first one? Um, I think that they're doing the second one. I think that the... Okay, Secret as of the Ooze. The Unknown podcast is doing the first... Uh, Man, oh, you're going to have a fun time the, editing the name of this podcast yeah. into our show. <laughs> I love the lack of research on Dan's part. So just to set the... So this is part three of the pod crawl, the final part, the denouement, if you will. Uh-huh. Uh at this point, just to lay in the backstory on the Turtles, our favorite foursome, uh, the Fab Four, some might say, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles have emerged in New York in the first film, Teenage uh-huh. Mutant Ninja Turtles, and made friends with April O'Neil, local reporter. Yep. Then in the second movie, they discovered the secret of the ooze in the aptly titled Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, uh, which also introduced us to Toka, Razor, Super Shredder, and also Vanilla Ice's Ninja Rap. And uh-huh. now it brings us all the way to... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, Turtles in Time, as I insist it is called. Guys, uh, I found out what the name of the third podcast is. It's too, oh, great. It's too beautiful to live, and I apologize to them for not having that information on hand earlier. It wasn't in the original email that I got, so I just forgot to so look your, it up. So your mouth is saying you apologize, but your face is saying, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I just Guys, want to say that to, no one uh, on the podcast can Dan, see my face. You're throwing me under the bus. Just to defend Dan, uh, too beautiful to live. I just want to defend Dan that how could he remember to look up the information ahead of time? He's only been doing this podcast for a decade. <laughs> <laughs> He's only done this podcast for longer than anyone can legally be president of the United States. Yeah. So, so you talked a little bit about the uh, extended cast in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, universe, but I think you forgot the, the turtle break- Yeah, you forgot the breakout star, Casey Jones, played by mm-hmm. Teen Heartthrob Elias Codius. Mm-hmm. Was he a Teen Heartthrob? I mean, now isn't How he? He's he on all be? those Chicago Look- Fire shows. Oh, okay. <laughs> Teens love Chicago Fire shows. <laughs> when uh, I was watching, I was watching this with my wife, as I mentioned, uh, and in between looking at, uh, you know, looking at her uh, iPad to play solitaire, she looked up at the screen every once in a while, and she saw, she saw Casey Jones come on screen, and she's like, "Where do I know that guy from?" And I had to, I had to do the research and let her know that he's in all of her favorite Chicago shows. Uh-huh. He's in a lot of great stuff, and he's in Zodiac. He's a great actor. He's in a lot yeah, of good stuff. He's awesome. Yeah, what, he's what Dan's are favorite all actor. Of her favorite Chicago shows: Chicago Fire, Chicago Law, Chicago PD, and Chicago Med. Ha ha! I nailed, named them all. Wow, <laughs> you did it! But they're all like you, they're all like it's like the fucking MCU over there, but it's in Chicago. And okay, it's with, like Dick it Wolf posits stuff. a world where Chicago is a city, <laughs> <laughs> and people can live in it and go from different like interact in different careers like the same way that in that hulk shows up in thor ragnarok in chicago someone else who lives in chicago might might show up <laughs> sure <laughs> just because they're there i mean it, it happens uh, yeah, yeah t- take don't take my word for it 
Check out Chicago at your local library. <laughs> okay, guys, let's get into this movie because okay. the great thing about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, Turtles in Time, is that we've reached mm-hmm. the third chapter in the series. And in most movie series, the third chapter is when the movies kind of have run out of ideas and start going a little bonkers. Sometimes that can be great, as in the aforementioned Thor Ragnarok, in which they uh-huh. decide what makes the most sense for this uh, ancient god. Mm, I guess we'll throw him in a space battle yeah, uh, in like a space gladiator contest on uh-huh. the other side of the universe. And it works out great. Yeah, uh, yeah. In this case, Ninja did you see the, the uh, first... did, did you see the statue face of a uh, beta Ray bill on that planet? Oh, yeah, I got, and the by beast was on there, but I was super excited. I was, huh? did you start running around not... the theater, pointing at the screen, telling everybody beta Ray bill, beta Ray bill. <laughs> and there's man thing. And that, yeah, <laughs> the, uh, I, the only problem I had with beta Ray bills face showing up on that building was it told me, Beta Ray Bill is not going to be appearing in the mid-credits reveal scene because uh-huh. I was holding out hope that he was going to show up because I love that guy so much. That yeah, horse-faced alien. Mm-hmm. I love Beta Ray Bill. Anyway, uh, so Ninja, So the first movie in the series, they introduce the characters. Who are these guys? Second movie in the series, they delve into the origins. Third movie, it's like, uh, what do we do with these guys? And in this case, they decided, send them backwards in time to feudal Japan. Because why not? It's it's organic to the Turtle franchise. That first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie came out, like, at the perfect time for me. Like, I was at the right age to be like, I am super into this movie. And then the second one came out just slightly too late for me. Like, I definitely felt like I was a slightly older kid going to a little kid's movie. And then this one, I didn't see in the theater because at that point it had passed me by quite a bit. Oh, see, I'm a couple years younger than you. So the first two movies were right in my sweet spot. Uh, First movie, wait, they're making a movie about the Ninja Turtles, my favorite characters in the world. Mm -hmm. And I had to go see it. Second one, this is going to be great. I love it. Yeah, Grandma, take me to Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze, because I made my grandmother sit through the whole movie. And then by the time Turtles 3 came out, I had that feeling of like, I should be too old for this, but I'm going to go see it anyway. Uh, no. And feeling like I was seeing a little kid movie. So you would seen this one made, previously. You've seen this, this movie. I saw this in the theaters. Oh, I've my not God. Seen it since. I didn't see it since I saw it in the theaters, but it was amazing how I didn't remember a lot of it. But there were moments in it where I was like, I remember that moment. Yeah. So I remember you, when the, you when the in line. Set, go back through time in their underpants. Yeah. So you waited in line. For hours and days just to get oh, yeah. into a screening oh, of this movie. I set up a tent. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. What year is this, 93? Yeah, as an 11-year-old, I just set up that pup tent and and camped out for days. And my parents were like, you have to come home. Child service is going to take you away if you don't come home. And I said, no, I got to see Turtles. I got to see the Turtles go in time, as is in the, the title of the film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just saw the first movie in the theater. I... Uh... I was probably even a little too old to be going to see the first movie at the time in the theater. But my uh-huh. friend was like, hey, <laughs> your babysitter's like, I got to do something with this guy. Yeah. <laughs> with this 14 year old. Uh, I know. I do think it was like a case where like my friend was going to go see a movie and that was the acceptable movie to his parents for us to see. So I'm just like, yeah, I don't go see movies. This is great. I love movies. Any kind of movie. Give it to me. Yeah. Yum, 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 yum. <laughs> yep. <laughs> your friend's like, oh, OK, Dan, I guess I'll take you to this thing. And I was surprised. I, I enjoyed the first one more than I thought. I think mostly because, I don't know, like this is like Henson Cre- Jim Henson creature effects uh, for the Turtles in and the Shredder. In the first, yeah. This this one is noticeably cheaper, but they kind of had like 
kind of charming, but more ambitious in effects. scope. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now, is it now when you say noticeably cheaper? Does that include the grotesque quality of the turtle's mouth movements? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you found that Weird. grotesque. I, you know, I found something weirdly. Uh, it's kind of like Odysseus and the Sirens. Like I okay. had Charlene, okay. I, I had Charlene tie me to the couch so I didn't walk <laughs> to the screen and smash my face into their mouths. <laughs> but uh, so let's talk. So Ninja Turtles. Let me just say right off the bat, I've lost track with them. Let that to be honest. But when I was a kid, you I was should a give huge, them a call. Just catch up. I was, yeah, I got to call up Donatello, my favorite. <laughs> I was a huge shellhead as a kid. Watched the show religiously. I collected all the toys. Couldn't wait for the movies. Like, Ninja Turtles is one of those things where I, like, my whole life was about it when I was, like, eight. Did you uh, straight- did you play the TMNT arcade game? Oh, yeah, all the time. Yeah. I, I, I spent, I, there was a roller skating rink near my house that had the TMNT, the big arcade game, and I used to just pump quarters into that. I don't know yeah, how much so of my great. college money went went into that. That could have been gone into giving me an education, but uh, that. But now it's one of those things where I'm like, I still enjoy Ninja Turtle related stuff every now and then. I guess like, and they reboot the comic books sometimes. I'll check it out, but it boggles my mind that there are people my age who are still like, yeah, I'm a huge Ninja Turtles fan. I'm all about Ninja Turtles. That seems crazy to me. Now, is is your attitude based on just general turtle stuff, or is it? based on, say, the quality of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, Turtles in Time. Uh, wait, my attitude of why, why not really being that into it? Yeah. Yeah, is it based no, I, on, like, just you You are now too old to appreciate the basic qualities of the Ninja Turtles? or Apparently, apparently not, because as we'll find out when we talk about the movie, I enjoyed this movie a lot more than I thought I was going to. <laughs> no, it's because I just grew up and I got into grown-up things, like Frank Miller, Frank Miller's run on Daredevil. Oh, grown wow. up stuff, you know, adult <laughs> yeah. stuff. The stuff that the stuff that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles originally was kind of parodying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I said, "Why am I dealing with the adaptation when I can go straight to the source?" Now, okay, yeah. let's talk about this particular movie though. And keep in mind, you're talking to an original shellhead. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm looking right now. Actually, I can see on my bookcase my battered old collection of the original Eastman and Laird Ninja Turtles comics that I sent away for with cereal box tops to get and was very what? traumatized by how violent it was when I arri- when it arrived in the mail. What which cereal was it? <laughs> it was like turtle bit cereal or whatever the Ninja Turtle cereal was called or Ninja Turtle cereal. Was it like pizza flavored? No, but it had it was in the shape of pizza and little ninja nets and oh, like little okay. bows. Yep. I think there might I'm have been little, little shurikens. I'm amazed that that like that child's uh, cereal would uh, send you the original Eastman and Laird comics, well, that, that, rather than like some yeah. goofy like me too cartoon really influence. Yeah, well, and that cereal knows that like you're you're like a cool elite comics gamer dude, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. The that cereal's like oh this this cereal that's little candy pieces in the shape of ninja nets and uh, and pizza Ooh. slices. This is just for the discerning ind- independent black and white comics reader. But anyway, okay, <clears throat> let's get let's get back. Is is now is did I eventually get that book signed by Peter Laird? Yes, I did. But let's move on to the onto the movie at hand. Okay, <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three, Turtles in Time. Let's talk about this film because we have not for a while. Okay, we begin. 
We begin in Japan, 1603, and a samurai Wait. prince. Yes. Do we? Is there a title card that says Japan 1603, or am I just supposed yes, to? Yes, there is. Okay. No, no. There's I thought a title I was just card that says. I was looking at my phone. To, it was the end of a really important Kickstarter for me, so uh, I missed some parts. But I thought the movie was pretty, <laughs> being pretty cool by uh, just assuming the audience was smart enough to pick up on context clues. There's a there's I mean there's a surprising amount of this movie where they're just like kids. We expect you to know the basics of of like samurai clan politics in Japan <laughs> in the 16th, 17th centuries. You're supposed to, you just need to know that this is a time of warring clans. Although I thought it's in 1603, but on the Wikipedia entry, it says 1593. So I don't know. Maybe they pushed it forward 10 years for the digital release. I don't know. <laughs> sure. But uh, a, there's a runaway, there's a prince. He's the son of Lord Norinaga, who is a warring mm-hmm. uh, daimyo or, you know, clan headsman. Uh uh-huh. He's being chased by four samurai on horseback. There's a lot of uh, ADR yelling, and it's all being watched by a lady bowman uh, with a bow and arrow as they, uh, as these print, as these samurais chase after this prince and capture him. Cut to the turtles. They're in their their hideout that they established, I think, at the end of the second movie. That's like an abandoned train station, and they spend a ton of time dancing around to a song that goes, "I can't stop rocking." <laughs> and uh, now. Is this they do this, a lot of in the original script? Sh- do you think the script like describes their actions, or they're just like <laughs> yeah. ten minutes of turtle goofing? I think it was like yeah, step by it was like interior, uh, abandoned train station. The four turtles and their names are listed in their ages. Uh, dance in a in a conga line type arrangement to this to this song, and then cut to Raphael jumps around showing off his weaponry. Cut to Leonardo jumps around showing off his weaponry. Because they're all kind of showing off their weapons and doing kicks. It's a really great look- way of it's a really great bit of exposition, similar to like the Chris Claremont X Men comics, right? Yeah, where yeah. In the first couple anytime, pages, he describes every character, <laughs> and every time Storm sees like a small room, she goes, "Oh, but I'm claustrophobic from when I was a child in Cairo." <laughs> yep, and Havoc is always faced with a situation where he could use his powers, but he would totally smear the shit out of the person if he used it. It's like mm-hmm. I might Rogue accidentally like- blow up Rogue or something. And Rogue's like, I wish I could touch you, darling, but my power, the first time I ever used it, it stole my boyfriend's memory and put him in a coma. It's like, yeah, Rogue, you've told me like a hundred times. <laughs> <laughs> like, Rogue, enough sharing. Anyway, I'm sorry, I touched look- someone with memory loss. <laughs> oh, no. And then I didn't know anything for a while. <laughs> I touched that memento, and now I remember <laughs> things backwards. That's not how that movie works, Rogue. I don't know. Anyway, I got a yeah. date with Gambit tonight, and Gambit's okay. like, oh, oh, mon petit, oh. Uh-huh, yep. Uh, how how, how much longer like. are we going to do this bit? <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even get to the part where Wolverine's like, I got to keep the animal inside me controlled. Mm-hmm. That's the samurai way. Speaking of samurai, let's get back to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Now, Here's something that – I'm just going to jump ahead for a moment. Here's something the movie never really gets at. Samurais and ninjas hate each other. Yeah, yeah. So they there should be – it does it just enters into it. And it's almost like this movie was made by people who didn't really get the difference between ninjas and samurais. But I mean I well, you're, bringing, you're bringing that up as if you're informing people. But I think everybody already knows that ninjas and samurai are very different things. <laughs> okay. One of them, Let's put a pin in that though. <laughs> One of, One of them has has no honor, and the other, their entire life is for their clan and daimyo. 
Exactly. Let's put a pin in that, though, because Raphael gets mad while they're posing, breaks their boombox. He says he's tired of practicing. That's when it, he's a real hothead. That's when and that's, April visits. That's, that's practicing what they were doing. I guess. Yeah, they're a lot of their practicing involves dancing to yeah. can't stop rocking. Uh, April visits. She's about to leave on vacation and she gives everybody gifts. And the gift she has for Splinter is an antique Japanese lantern. Cut to <laughs> 17th century Japan again. And this is something that the movie does a lot that I think is hilarious, which is it cuts between the present and the 17th century as if they are happening concurrently. Yeah. Like something will happen in the 17th century, and then in present day they'll be like, ah, oh, well, well, I can't believe it. And it's like, wait a minute. You guys know that everything that happened in the 17th century was – 300 years before the events of the present, right? So they could just look up in a book what happens. They don't need to be in suspense about it. Yeah. Uh, Is this also anyway. the laziest way to, like, introduce uh, the inciting object of the, like, April just, like, wanders into the movie with gifts and is just like, oh, here's a gift. It's a time-traveling wand. <laughs> it'll start, the, it'll kick this jump. movie off. And she yeah. literally says, she's like, Splinter loves old things. Here you go, Splinter. And it's yeah. like, it is, yeah, it is very lazy. I'll give you that. Especially when it turns out there's a prophecy involved. There's a, real, a couple of really great shots in this opening sequence where Splinter is standing at this, like, desk while he's talking to the guys. Or, like, and he'll, uh, he'll, like, slam his hand, or he'll put his hands down on the top of the table. And you can see his, like, rubber fingers clearly bending in weird <laughs> angles. <laughs> Well, he, Splinter, you never see Splinter from the waist down in this, I think. He's always <laughs> behind a table or a door, and it's clear, I think, that they just made the top half of the Splinter I mean, costume. I think it's because he respects his co-workers. Yeah. And he's, they don't need to see him below the waist. Yeah, it was oh, not so necessary for his job. I assumed it was because, much like in a sitcom when the lead actress is pregnant, Splinter was pregnant, but they didn't want to write that in for the character. So they just framed him behind grocery bags or, like, standing behind a couch. Yeah, they didn't sneak in any references in the second one where, like, Splinter is, like, barfing. Because anytime <laughs> somebody barfs in a movie, you're like, pregnant. Yeah, that's what it means. Uh, there's also, here's something I want to mention here. Uh, they make the, the turtles, and this is, I found very realistic for teenagers, they're just like obnoxious joke machines. They're always making stupid wisecracks that are not funny. And but they're always making pop culture references that are like too old for the target audience. There's a lot of like Elvis references. Later they make a bunch of Clint Eastwood references. That, and like at one point they when they show up in the past, they're like, dudes, we're in Shogun. And it's like, no kid knows what Shogun is. Like, mm -hmm. come on. <laughs> the 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 it's it's a it's this weird movie where it's like these they really tapped into the obnoxiousness of teenagers, but then they gave them the frame of reference of the 40-year-old man that I assume wrote the movie. Yeah. So uh, how did they overlook that? Dan, how did they overlook that in their research? Uh, I'm not sure, but I wanted to say that you uh, had a killer Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle voice there. And I say voice because all of the turtles sound exactly alike. <laughs> <laughs> Except yeah, for the one that's are, obviously Corey Feldman, right? Yeah, Donatello. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're indistinct. Their voices, except for the one that's, yeah, clearly Corey Feldman, are indistinguishable. And, like, say what you about the original animated series. It's a goofy show, but they have such distinct voices in that. And, like, they, I, f I feel like when I think about the Turtles, those are the voices that I hear. Why didn't they just hire those guys, you know? What was that all about? They're not big enough. They, clearly, yeah, they weren't not, big not enough. Not as big as <clears throat> they needed big stars like Corey Feldman. And, and doing and doing voiceover work for a cartoon is very different from doing voiceover work for like a horrible animatronic monster. 
Now, That's true. Where the mouth moves like-, like a like a claymation figure that has come to life <laughs> and also had a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where both eyes are moving independently. And uh, yeah. <laughs> the, one of the things I remember about the first movie is that it was lit very darkly, yeah. and that that. You know, yes. that covered up a bunch of the sins of the, the makeup effects. Whereas this movie, they're like, everything's in broad daylight. Yeah, it's like a sitcom lighting in this thing. It, it's just a general, like, wash of brightness. Yeah. You know what I just looked up on Wikipedia? I didn't realize. So the music in this movie, which is not bad, the score is not terrible, was done by John Dupre, or John Dupree, who now is like Eric Idle's <sighs> musical partner. That they do all of Eric Idle's musical stuff. That's who he works with. I had no idea. So that's uh, that's probably how he got the gig. Connection. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Eric Idle was like, "I'm too busy to do the music for this Ninja Turtles movie. You do it, John." Or is that how they met? Eric Idle was in one of the turtle costumes. <laughs> yeah, he was one of the dancers. Well, that explains the uh, <laughs> the ending of this movie where all the turtles are crucified and they sing that song together. <laughs> yeah, Dan, because that's yeah, sure, okay. I don't yeah, wait. I, I don't know why that it. one didn't work for you, but <laughs> Dan, I know it's a reference to Monty Python's Life of Brian. But crucifixion was also a punishment in feudal Japan, so it was a real danger for them, and I appreciate <laughs> a little bit of sensitivity. See, the I'm absurdity of it, Elliot, are... would be that in a, ch- in a child's movie, these turtles would be crucified. I'm, I'm I assuming know, our listeners this... are uh, zipping over to DeviantArt to double check that there hasn't been any <laughs> <laughs> Ninja turtles any crucified crucified. turtles work. Yeah, while well, like uh, Sonic and Knuckles cry at their feet. <laughs> so we go back to the 17th century. We know that this is where the bad guy lives because there's bad guy music playing, courtesy of John Dupree. And uh, the prince argues with his dad, Lord Norinaga, you're waging war and I don't like it. And the dad is being supported by an Englishman named Walker, who's a kind of gunrunner pirate with a crew of ridiculously cartoonish kind of pirate henchmen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Walker's delivering guns and ships just like Lafayette did in uh, in Hamilton. Uh, the prince throws a fit. He doesn't like it, and he knocks over a statue, revealing a magic lantern. That's the same lantern that April O'Neil is holding in our time, and that lantern glows. A scroll opens up that shows the four our four, four turtle boys <laughs> as if they've appeared in ancient Japan before, and the prince asks the lantern to open wide the gates of time because I guess he knew already what it was just by looking at it. Like At some point, he was like, oh, there it is. I forgot where I put my magic time-traveling wand lantern. Was he, maybe he was, maybe he was was reading some text that was written on the wand? Oh, that's possible. That could have been a little clearer, but maybe that's what it is. Uh, What, Dan, what is it with magic implements having their inscriptions just written on it, and then people reading it out loud instead of reading it to themselves, like you normally would read anything that you're seeing Uh, for the first time? (laughs) Oh, your, your, your problem is that they, uh speak it out loud that, that all these readers are uh like reading as if they're children rather than the problem being that you think that they should have a separate instruction manual for these things i mean well, it would be safer yeah. if they did but i mean i'm a little tired of these performative magic item handlers oh yeah <laughs> we're like i get it dude you want our attention yeah <laughs> you're the one I holding the magical scepter but it's like anytime someone, like in the Evil Dead type stuff, anyone, huh, I found this old book. What does it say? Hmm, Klaatu Barata Nikto, uh, Corpus Medundum, and then the dead rise up. And it's like, when have you ever opened a book alone and just started reading aloud from it? Every day at Barnes & Nobles, dude. <laughs> That's why they kick you out of Barnes & Noble. Uh-huh. Naruto says. <laughs> <laughs> to quote so, Naruto. <laughs> Wait, is that Naruto you says? About? So you're like, <laughs> descri- you're like narrating to yourself 
what's happening in like the I'm comic. describing the panel for all the <laughs> yeah. other guys that are I sitting see. in I, the aisle. I see. Are you talking about the the uh, superhero poet Pablo Naruto? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he wears that that metal headband thing, and he's got like whiskers drawn on his face. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, you guessed it. Of all the times in time for this magic gate to open up to, it opens up to when April O'Neil is holding it. We see a little bit of my favorite thing in movies, which is 80s uh, electrical effects when there's like yeah. bolts of magic electricity flying around that were right. hand animated on. I love those. Go watch Ghostbusters. It's full of them. Go watch uh, Big Trouble Howard- in Little China. Mm-hmm. Howard the Duck has a bunch. It's really great. Uh, and she switches places and clothes – with the prince, because much like the Terminator, I guess this magic wand can only send, I guess, organic materials through the mail of time. Yeah. Well, luckily, no. also they're the same size. They like the clothes yes. fit beautifully. Oh, wonderful! <laughs> but yeah. no, she also is sent back with her Walkman, unless that guy oh, had right. the same Walkman. <laughs> yeah. Well, considering later she is considered a witch because she has the Walkman, I think it's probably not his walk. The prince's Walkman. My favorite but, thing uh, too, like. When they when the the Walkman starts playing and like all the samurai are like what is this witchery and they like take their swords and hit the Walkman, uh, mm-hmm. it does that thing that happens in movies where the song just sort of winds down. <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, yeah, that's not what would happen. <laughs> like, the no, song would just no, stop as soon as you break the works, machine. It works like a record player, right? Yeah, uh, uh, I love the, that. Yeah, that's pretty good. So. Uh, the Japanese prince, he sees the ninja turtles and they're like, ah, kappas, ah, because he thinks, of course, that they're r- turtle demons that, what, live in rivers and they have bowls on their head. And if you can get them That's to true. bow, they're either, the falls they're either, the they're either that or the popular clothing, like sports clothing line that has the two mudflap girls back to back. Is that called kappas? Kappa, yeah, yeah. Uh, kappa, I'm not familiar with it's that. Kinda like, it's kind of uh, like Umbro or something. It would be uh, soccer shorts. Oh, Aren't you okay. a big... I mean, you ha- kind of have the body for soccer shorts, Elliot. I'm surprised you don't Thank wear them. Thank you. I have been cre- complimented on my legs. There was a time – did this happen to you guys? There was a time in middle school when every kid in my town was wearing umbros all the time, just as regular shorts. Uh-huh. And there was, a, there was a run on umbros at the local store, Kicks and Sticks, local sporting goods store. And but it Are was, they talking about – wait, are sticks referring to your legs? No, no. That was for like – Like hockey, hockey sticks and stuff. Yeah, yeah oh, hockey okay. sticks. And uh, but then all of a sudden, like six months later, nobody was wearing umbros. It was lame to wear umbros. What was and that the, all about? And kicks and sticks had overordered, and now they're just sitting on this waist. Elliot, you're exactly. assuming that there was ever a time when I was a child when I was aware of what was cool and what was not cool to wear. But you were into that hypercolor stuff, right? So you knew what was cool: body glove shirts, all that stuff. Uh huh. Yeah, but he had a huge Woody shirt instead of a Big Johnson shirt, so he looked like a real nerd. Oh. Uh, yeah, that's nerdy. You need Big Johnson. Yeah, what Dan? What co-ed naked sport did you wear the shirt of? Curling. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, co-ed naked <laughs> okay, improv. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> co-ed naked improv, and then it would be like, yeah, it's always yes and or something like <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, uh, a, re- a reference that young Stewart would never have gotten. <laughs> I wasn't uh, allowed to wear those shirts. Uh, the other shirt that I had to turn inside out because I wore it to school was a. Band, uh, t-shirt for the band Tool, because it had a uh, a phallus-shaped wrench on the back. Ah, I see. Did you guys ever have to turn no, your shirt nope, inside nope, out? Nope, nope I didn't. We're like half an hour like, into this 
thing. There was a we time haven't... when my school, Dan, I have a story that's very relevant. Okay. There was a time when my school banned Simpsons t-shirts because the Sim- Bart Simpson was a bad influence. But could you wear the but bootleg ones? Yeah, the bootleg ones. But otherwise, kids were just wearing big Johnson and Woody t-shirts. It was crazy. And I think the adults just didn't get it. Anyway, so let's get back to the movie. The Japanese princess appeared, and Splinter and the turtles figure out what's happened incredibly easily. They're like, whoa, he must have traveled through time. Why did and they Why did they be, make fun of the way he's dressed? Because April was just wearing those fucking clothes. Because they look ridiculous on a dude, jeans and a leather oh, okay. jacket and a yeah. t-shirt. Come on, <laughs> yeah. nobody wears that. Why do they keep calling uh, him James Dean? It doesn't make, like, do they call, <laughs> they call April O'Neil James Dean, too? They, they might. Uh, I mean, it's possible they thought James Dean showed up. I don't know. The, <laughs> sure. uh, they're turtles. Who knows how they see the world? But I, there was a moment where I was like, that's pretty lazy that they figured it out easily. And then I was like, no, wait a minute. That's a huge relief that we don't have to go through scene after scene of them trying to figure out that what happened. They just instantly are like, oh, she got displaced in time by this Japanese guy. Well, we got to go save her. Uh, meanwhile, the Japanese think that April's a witch because of her Walkman. Uh, they also think she kidnapped the prince, but Walker, the English pirate, for some reason knows she's not a witch immediately. He's just He just calls her bluff. Donatello in the present figures out that it involves equal mass transference, and they only have 60 hours to save April before she's stuck in Japan forever. And that's when Mikey brings in, you guessed it, Stuart's favorite, Casey Jones as Elias Codius to just watch the prince while they go back in time, I guess. That's the scene where he just walks in and he's like, look who I brought in. And then like, <laughs> yeah, he literally just says, hey, dudes, I brought a little backup. And, it's and then Casey he Jones like slides like, into the scene and every, then the whole crowd goes fucking wild. Like people. Yeah, go it's a real cr- it's a real Kramer moment. He just goes, whoa, whoa. And the audience Wait, when the crowd's like while. yelling at him for being racist. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's a Michael Richards moment. I'm okay. talking about a Kramer moment. OK, yeah. cool. Uh, April gets locked in a dungeon with an English pirate mutineer who looks a lot like Casey Jones with a beard on and short hair, which means nothing like Casey Jones. (laughs) And I would not have recognized him if she didn't go, Casey? (laughs) Uh, Just shows you what a master of disguise Elias Codius is. Uh, It turns out that the prince is in love with Mitsu, the leader of the rebellion against Lord Lord Noronaga. The turtles go back in time. They replace Lord Noronaga's bodyguard in the middle of a battle and... Did you want to see people in bulky turtle suits ride around clumsily on horses while wisecracks are ADR'd onto the soundtrack? Because yeah. guess, guess what, guys? Yeah, yeah, You're going to get it. <laughs> and you got it, because that's when it happens. Uh, the turtles almost instantly lose Michelangelo, uh, who is kidnapped by Mitsu, and somebody takes the scepter, the magic time wand, but we don't know who. And it's it's tough because, you know... Those turtles, the majority of their acting comes from their mouths, but now they're wearing these weird masks, so they have to do extra eye acting to get and across a lot those of jokes. Hand movements. Yeah, 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 yeah. Those hilarious, uh, the hilarious jokes that are basically just comparing everyone to Elvis. And there was one line in it that where they're like, "Oh, my Japanese isn't so good." Uh, Mitsubishi uh, Subaru, and it's like, mm-hmm. "Dude, I'm offended that this uh, that's in the movie, but also your master is Japanese." <laughs> One, maybe he didn't teach Japanese, but have some respect for his culture, you know, like, but I guess they're teenagers. They're all about rebelling against their authority figures, uh, discipline and values. So, you know what? I get it. It makes sense in character. I reject it even as a joke premise. Like, what do the turtles 
think that they're trying to say by saying those cards. Like, they are aware that they're not going to be communicating anything. Yeah, it's like that time Dan and I were playing uh, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, and uh-huh. Piston Honda came up, and they had Piston Honda's quote, and he's just saying a bunch of Japanese words, and Dan's like, fuck you, Nintendo. <laughs> yep, it's exactly like that when that happened. That well, tr- I'm sorry that, I missed that, that story. time. Sounds like you had a great time with that we one. We did. We had a great time. <laughs> that was another. That was another installment in Dan's xenophobic Nintendo memories. <laughs> There's also the time. This is not xenophobic. The time you were playing Metroid, and you're like, "Can't wait to see how this cool dude underneath his helmet. He must be such a cool masculine dude." And you saw that Samus Aran was a woman, and you were like, "Fuck this shit!" And you threw your Nintendo out the window. <laughs> you tricked me. You tricked you're me to step me I've been a girl all this time. Yeah, and the Nintendo's flying out the window going, really makes you think. <laughs> <laughs> it was worth the sacrifice. And you sent a, a very angry letter to then president of Nintendo of America, Howard Lincoln. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> I think that was his name. I don't know. I just know him from that cartoon that was in Nintendo Power where he and. Uh, like what was the? Do you you're thinking that? of you're thinking of Nestor. Nestor. Dan. No, but he always like talked to Howard. It was oh like, yeah, yeah, that's true. Oh, I never even put two and two together that that's who that Howard that, was. That was who it was. That's I thought it was Howard wild. the Duck turned into a person. Yeah, I thought it was Howard from Howard's End. I thought it was Howard from Howard's Head, the sequel to Herman's Head. <laughs> they do sequels <laughs> to TV shows now. Yeah, sure. Will and Grace. Uh, <laughs> So anyway, that was the sequel to Will. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm just going to say right here, this movie, this feature film has a very TV movie feel uh-huh. to it. It very much feels – this is the Golan Globus version of the of the sequel, like the Superman 4 one where you're like, okay, this is a noticeably cheaper movie than the last one. But as Stuart said, very ambitious because we learned that uh, Walker is pushing Naranaga to buy more guns. But Naranaga, he wants this missing scepter because it has time travel powers and it's magical. It belongs to his clan, and if he loses it, that's huge dishonor in his clan. The turtles free April from the dungeon, mainly by fat-shaming the dungeon guard, which I also did not approve of. Yeah, that was wild. Just and a, a lot, lot of, of their jokes. And there's a couple of scenes where they're sneaking into, because they're ninjas, they were sneaking into the castle. And, like, guards would show up, and then the Ninja Turtles would just, like, lazily swat them and knock them over. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're really not giving. I mean, the turtles are supposed to be fighting machines, but you're not giving us a lot of uh, faith in this special bodyguard for Lord Norinaga. <laughs> sure. His army is staffed entirely by incompetents who can't stand up in their own armor. <laughs> uh, there's so many wisecracks at this point, you can't even hear all of them. They're just like overlapping each other into a rich blanket of wisecracks. They escape from the dungeon into the muck pile of the castle, and they slip around in the mud. Forever. You mean like the, it takes them forever. When they slip into that muck pile, they literally say, oh, no, not another sewer or something. And it's yeah. like, but you guys live in the sewer. You should. It should feel like home to you. Well, I guess maybe they're getting at that they don't want to live in the sewer. They don't choose to live there, you know? And it's kind of like in uh, I mean, Shawshank there would still Redemption. be some level of comfort unless, I guess, the sewer is tied in with some level of trauma. I mean, they're, they are turtles and a rat i mean if they're not comfortable in the sewer then where are they going to be comfortable i don't that's know dude you're making a lot of turtles and rats <laughs> you're making a lot of assumptions here dan oh, yeah, yeah dan that's maybe it's easy from you with your white male privilege to assume that turtles and rats they already live in sewers they must love sewers and do that by choice that's no true. dan look at the social the social forces that are forcing them to live in the sewer like 
speciesism, racism, uh, anti-ninja sentiment. Yep. That's not fair. Yeah. That that's yeah, I can't remember how often I've heard people saying those ninjas belong in the sewers. Yeah, Dan's always like, we walk by a sewer sewer grate and there's a pile of empty pizza boxes, and Dan's like, ugh, always eating all the pizzas <laughs> in the sewers. Yes, there once was a time when you didn't have to worry about ninjas in your sewers back <laughs> in the good old days. <laughs> anyway, uh, they let we we go to uh, the village where Michelangelo has been captured by the rebels. We don't stay there long. Raphael and the turtles are looking for Michelangelo, mainly by wandering through the forest yelling, Michelangelo! <laughs> Raphael loves how clean everything is. It's not the sewer. It's fresh air. So, Dan, you consider yourself refuted. The movie right. literally has them talk about how much they like that they're not in the sewer. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but they're attacked by villagers. But everything's okay when they reveal their turtles, because when the uh, when the villagers see that they're turtles, rather than saying, ah, monsters, and fighting harder, instead they're like, it's cool, everybody, they're turtles. And don't worry, everyone in this Japanese village in the 17th century speaks English, so it's totally cool. Everything's <laughs> well, okay. Because they met Michelangelo already, so like that's why they're cool with these other turtles. And he what? And he what? Taught but, them English? Well, that's what I, I don't understand. Well, they talk about, like, early on the prince starts speaking English, and uh, they, like, real, like, right away, they explain, like, oh, yeah, back... <laughs> Back then, in feudal Japan, they had some trading partners from the West, and they taught them English. So that's why everyone's going to be able to speak English in the rest of the movie. Okay. <laughs> that's, ba- yeah. Base is covered. You're right. They've covered that base. But yeah, it's Michelangelo, it's not like they're treating him well. He's He's been imprisoned in a shed, and he just lies around there doing nothing. So it's not like... It's not like he's the mayor of the town now, and they see the turtles, they're like, oh, like our best, best friend, Michelangelo. Yeah, well, no, this... Uh, but the, this is actually what I'm saying. Like, it's confusing to me, like, why the fact that they have met one other turtle makes it cool that they meet these other, like, these three turtles. They're like, oh, okay, like, I guess it takes some of the shock off of meeting three other <laughs> giant turtles, but it doesn't mean well, that you're, it like, Well, it definitely takes, out, takes away the rush of, like, knowing that you're fighting and possibly killing other humans. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, they're like, is it even worth it killing a turtle man? <laughs> <laughs> uh, now... They return to the village to find out it's being attacked by pirates who want the scepter. Uh, they think Michelangelo's a demon. Everybody thinks the turtles are demons in this movie. When they're maybe the least threatening-looking demons, since they except their faces are so creepy when they talk, so maybe it is. The are brothers you, are reunited, are and they drive off the English pirates. Are you saying it's not threatening for turtles to cover their giant shells with, like, a weird Baja or some kind of, like, blanket outfit? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think so. I feel no, so right, bad be- for those actors having to not only work in the turtle suit, but also like layer and layer of clothing. <laughs> and like and like ugly Hawaiian clothes, basically. <laughs> Whoa. It's like, uh, these turtles are all re- big buffet heads. Uh, oh, they love it. I love that you're like, oh, they're upset that they're in ugly Hawaiian clothes. Or <laughs> they're like, I can't be like my normal sexy turtle self. <laughs> <laughs> So is this when uh, was this when Michelangelo saved what is it Yoshi the little boy Yoshi yes Michelangelo saves a kid Yoshi from a burning house and then Leonardo revives the kid with CPR thus showing to everybody that they these are good good turtles they're good that scene Meanwhile, goes on a long time they suspect he's performing black magic when he's doing CPR to Yoshi 
And then yeah. as soon as Yoshi wakes up and everybody's happy, the first person to pick up Yoshi is Leonardo, which is a little weird. I would think like his family would be the first ones to rush the child. Yeah, but you kind of don't want to rush at a giant turtle demon that just used magic to bring your boy I, back to life from the dead. Like, who knows true. what it'll do to you? Yeah, he giveth life. He can also taketh away. I've seen Pet Cemetery. You're right. Mm-hmm. And you know what there's a lot of in Pet Cemetery? Turtles. Turtles. Lots and lots of turtles. <laughs> You're right. You always say that to me. I forget. <laughs> you always uh, so say that to I've me. I've had to tell Stuart, you know, it's in Pet Cemetery. Turtles. And he's like, yeah, yeah. I forgot. <laughs> you make a good point. That's uh, my. That reminds me. This is not related to the turtles. My son invented a motto yesterday for himself. Okay. Uh, we were. Oh no! It was the day before yesterday. We're eating at an all-you-can-eat Korean barbecue restaurant. It was really good. Uh, and he goes, "We're like, Sammy, are you are you going to be ready for lots of meat?" And he goes, "You know me. I'm always hungry." <laughs> <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so since then, his motto has been, "I'm always hungry." You know, I having stayed with you for a couple of days uh, when I was out in L.A., like that does not seem to be true about your son. Actually, I I saw several well, meals where he was like, "No food, thanks." No. <laughs> well, he loves to snack, but also yeah. it, it changes when he's going through like a growth spurt. He eats like crazy everything all the time. Yeah, uh, I, I, I do like that motto though. It's it's funny to hear a three year three and a half year old say, "You know me." <laughs> <laughs> Everyone understands what my thing is. <laughs> <laughs> my classic bit. I'm always eating. <laughs> really, Sammy? Okay. Uh, so, but Yoshi is saved, and the turtles are now the heroes of the village. But Noranaga reveals to Walker that this explains the scroll that turtle demons once overthrew his ancestors. He can't allow that to happen again, so now he wants guns. But he won't pay gold for them. Too many scenes in the movie are based around Lord Nornaga just negotiating with Walker over what he's going to pay for guns with. <laughs> yeah. As if kids are going to give a shit, like what currency he's using to buy cannons. But this also implies that the Turtles, what, at a later date, they went even further back in time and overthrew Lord Noranaga's ancestors? Like, are they leaving the door open for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 4, Turtles in Time again? I mean, has there... I mean, there's nothing in the movie that indicates that they couldn't go back in time again, right? It's not like the wand... They don't lose the wand at the very end of the movie. Now, the... Spoiler alert. They put a lot of effort into talking about Nor- Lord Noranaga getting guns, but at no point do they show how guns would change the dynamic in the movie at all. Like it's not like they show like guys with guns are really good at beating the Ninja Turtles. No, but I guess it's well that they're using the, they're saying the guns will help them to defeat, defeat villagers, I guess. Cause when those pirates come in with the guns, they really lay waste to that village until the TMNTs come and, and I, stop them. I guess. The, the turtles are what you'd call like an X factor. Nobody knows exactly how they, how they'll be defeated. But uh, you got to believe that guns and cannons are going to have a better shot than just swords. Although, as the movie shows us, uh, uh, not really, but I'm glad you found it. Uh, Let's keep moving. But yeah, it's it's true that the guns do prove relatively ineffective against the turtles later on. But we haven't gotten there yet. Uh, Blah, blah, blah. They try to ride horses. Leonardo's the only one who can ride them. They they need to find the scepter. Maybe they can make one. Uh, But that fails. Uh, Medieval Casey... uh, he has to go to them, go with them back to the present day. Mm-hmm. And April is like, I don't want to have this conversation right now. Let's just, and it's weird because it, they're having a conversation as if they have a relationship. 
Uh-huh. Like April and and it's like between scenes did April and medieval Casey Jones have sex? Like, is that what happened? Because the implication is that they already have feelings for I each mean, other. I mean, I can show you we, some fan fiction that probably says that that's true. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you're she's back in time, dude. All bets are off. <laughs> I guess that's true. If she's it doesn't happen in this century, it yeah. doesn't count. Yeah. yeah. And I well, mean, he then, looks really cool with a beard and with short hair. Like, and this guy seems to have his shit together a little better than future Casey Jones. But what if it? What if it's one of those things where April O'Neil has sex with medieval Casey Jones? Medieval Casey Jones gets impregnated, and then <laughs> it turns out April O'Neil is the ancestor of Casey Jones. So when they're dating, it's super weird because she's like his great 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 grandmother. Uh, I mean, I think there's something kind of beautiful about that, right? Uh, no, <laughs> that's my that's, that's my impression of Morgan Freeman <laughs> watching Elliot's face as he scanned that thought and gave it the full weight it deserved before saying no. Well, it's like how because I know it's not okay for a guy to go back in time and have sex with his mom in high school. Back to the Future taught us that. Uh-huh. Yeah, but how far back in time can you go to have sex with your ancestor, Dan? I know you've thought about this a lot. How far back in time do you think you have to go? Like more than three hundred years? More than 300 years. Uh, this is a good question. Uh, well, I mean, you're allowed to... So you're allowed to marry your cousins if you want to. Uh, just in, like, modern life. You're allowed? You're, well, not first cousins, I don't think. I think uh, <laughs> I think some places you are still first cousins. So, okay. So if you're following that, I, I think that you, you could go back maybe five generations... I don't know how these two thoughts related to one another. <laughs> that, yeah, that really, uh, I, I feel like your math got pulled out of your butt there, Dan. I was like, by the transitive property of marrying your cousins, I think five generations. <laughs> I wonder, so Dan, this is, you You decided that while researching the script for the porno movie you're writing. Yeah. <laughs> that is, <laughs> which is also it, called Turtles in Time. <laughs> that includes, the, <laughs> that includes m- multiple footnotes explaining it's okay because there's enough generations <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's okay it's like to be turned on in, but not grossed out. Yeah. The scene in the Transformers movie where the guy's like, My relationship with her started when we were both minors, so it's okay for me to have sex with her now that I'm an adult and she's still a minor. I laminated the the page from the law book and you're like, Why is this in this movie? <laughs> yeah. This is yeah, this does something about the screenwriter and about the director, but the movie that like this is like not a necessary thing for a movie to include in it. Like <laughs> no. we've done the research. Wait, you on mean this. a movie cool. with a two hour plus fucking runtime? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. About, about, giant, about giant transforming robots? Like it's not a movie about a court case about this guy's relationship with his minor bride. <laughs> but the thing is it could have been about that court case, right? Think about how good at law a Transformer would be. Yeah, that'd be yeah, great. And Optimus if Prime is just the defense attorney in that one. Yeah, sure. <laughs> they just kept, yeah, pulling Transformers in to the court to be uh, character witnesses, and that was I mean, the whole. Movie. Optimus, and I'd, Optimus I'd like is to call so the good stand at speeches, Bumblebee. Dude. <laughs> yeah. the I what? mean, Bumblebee would be a terrible fucking witness. Although <laughs> it would be, an, it would be some creative use of sound clips. Uh, but like, Optimus Prime is so good at speeches, like. They should have. I'm surprised he doesn't speak at more universities in those movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and our commencement speaker, Optimus Prime, and everyone's like, "Awesome!" <laughs> but what yeah. if it is like a uh, he he's in court and they're the judge is about to 
I guess declare him guilty. Like, <laughs> if you have no further arguments in your own defense, I'm going to have to declare you. And he raises and gavel. And just as he's about to drop the gavel, Optimus Prime bursts through the wall like the Kool-Aid man. Sure. <laughs> I object. And then I the, have some important documents. And then the gavel transforms into a tiny little, uh, like a little little robot or something and runs away. And they're like, whoa, that was a Transformer <laughs> <Yeah>. too." <laughs> Yeah, and the judge is like, what part of the Transformer was I holding all that time when it was a gavel? Yeah, then it winks at him. Is that something? Credits. Do you have to worry about that when you're driving a Transformer car, that the gear shift might be the Transformer's penis Did they? they that you're moving around? They must have snuck that joke in a Transformer's movie. <laughs> I mean, one of the Transformers definitely had testicles in the movies, right? Yes. Yeah. Devastator. So how do they... So, yeah, so... <laughs> <laughs> that would be devastating to see to see a, a giant robot with giant testicles. What's devastating uh, about it? It's beautiful. It's natural. <laughs> You're right. I shouldn't body shame him. I apologize. That's so. That wait, was, what are you gonna do? Make fun of that but other had, robot like, for farting out a parachute? <laughs> <laughs> well, I will make fun of that old robot for having a metal beard. It's natural, dude. Bodies get different <laughs> when they get older. But he had like giant testicles and no penis, though, right? Like. Yeah, he's like so, a real Are you making fun freak. of his micro penis now? <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. God, you guys are so his mean. Micro chip wait, penis? <laughs> wait, yeah, you mean Punisher's tech guy micro penis? Yeah. <laughs> I do That's I do mean that. Punisher's yeah, technology. Yeah, I I meant that because he's riding on top of Devastator. He's driving <laughs> him, I guess. Ah. Anyway, so uh they're trying to make their own scepter but it can't work. Casey Jones in the past is like, take me with you. I won't even talk about the standard trope in time travel movies of finding somebody in the past who looks just like your romantic interest in the present because the implication is that, I guess, genetics doesn't change over time. Anyway. What what led them to believe that they could just make a new scepter? (laughs) Yeah, that they're like, we can figure this out. We, We can make magic. Michelangelo tries to introduce pizza, but it doesn't work out. And the fact that he's in a country that does not yet have cheese or tomatoes... I think doesn't seem to phase him, but it doesn't work out. Uh, Raphael bonds with the village kids, and he tells Yoshi, hey, you got to calm down. Don't lose your temper. Let's not fight. Let's fly kites, because kites rhyme with fights. One of them's violent, and one of them's not, unless it's those fighting kites that have razors on them that you use to attack other kites, but that's more of, I think, of an Afghanistan thing, it's so let's not worry about it. Really long aphorism to put on a t-shirt. <laughs> Dan, stop. Stop editing my aphorisms and my affirmations, okay? <laughs> okay. Uh, Norinaga accepts that he's going to pay gold for guns because he needs guns to stop these demons. Uh, and Michelangelo talks to Mitsu about Prince Kenshin, who she misses. And there's a weird moment where Michelangelo seems to think that he has a chance with this princess if Kenshin doesn't come back. Like, there's a lot of weird romantic dynamics going on in this movie that they did not think through all the way. That suddenly April seems to have be with Casey Jones of the past. And Michelangelo seems to have a crush on this human woman. And it's just not going to happen. Michelangelo, you're a hideous turtle monster. Like just deal with it. Well, and also like, I mean, isn't the whole plan for them to go back? Like she's in love with someone else, dude. I mean, to bit, to, to, to put it the way that I think Huey Lewis did when he was describing this movie, they got to go back in time, but by back in time, it means back to the present or back to the future, if you will. Hence the movie of the same name, which is about the making of this movie. Uh, Kate, meanwhile, Casey Jones in the present, he's just teaching those samurais how to play hockey, but they just fight. And the implication is that samurais are just dumb. They're just goofy, dumb guys. 
Uh, but Splinter somehow senses danger for the turtles 400 years after the fact. Like I said, Splinter <laughs> could just go to his ninja library, look up what happened to Lord <laughs> Norinaga in a book, and then he'd know it was going to happen. And it's edited as if this is going at the same time. It's like classic D.W. Griffith cross-cutting, as if these things are happening simultaneously, but they're not. Wouldn't it be uh, wild if Mikey, he went— Michelangelo- Wouldn't it be wild if he went and picked up a book and he was reading the history and like— the words were changing as he read them. Yeah. I mean, is it the idea that because they have this 60 hour, uh, you know, timeline that energy drink? Yeah. The 60 hour energy drink that I'm selling, guys. I want you guys to get in on my uh, rich quick, quick scheme. Uh, how many bottles can I put you down for? Uh, do wait. So you're going to sell them to me and then I have to resell them? Yeah. Yes. Do I take them to retailers or do I sell them directly to people? <laughs> Look, man, as soon as you pay me and they're out of my hands, I don't care what you do. Oh, wow. You don't so, care about your brand. I get it. Okay, great. So we could sell them to school children with alcohol. Okay, there goes there goes your 60-hour energy drink, Dan. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lesson from Herbalife. They would make perfect nutcrackers, the 60-hour energy drink with a little bit of booze. <laughs> what? What? Like, you don't know like what a nut- ballet dancer? No, you don't know what a nutcracker is? You know when you're on the beach no, and those guys wander around, they're selling like yeah, little right. bit. That's a nutcracker. Oh, okay. I just thought of it as like a rum, rum punch. No, they call it a nutcracker. Oh, okay. Do I you think, know why? Because uh, <laughs> I think it gets you really drunk and your head, the nut, gets cracked. Okay. Oh, that's not usually the part of the body I hear referred to as a nut. Although I guess people say that. They go, are you off your nut? And I'm like, no, my testicles are right here <laughs> where they're supposed to be underneath me. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, Michelangelo and Raphael, they get into a fight and they break the scepter they made as if it was ever going to work. Come <laughs> yeah, on. it's insane. And Mitsu says, oh, no, we just heard the daimyo, Lord Narnaga, is going to attack with guns tomorrow. Raphael has a heart-to-heart with Yoshi. Yoshi is surprisingly knowledgeable about how, Ra- how Raphael might die the next day in battle. <laughs> Raphael salves that wound, though, by giving him a yo-yo. And Yoshi gives Raphael the real scepter. He's the one who took it. He didn't want the turtles to leave. But now he wants them to go so they can leave before the people kill them. Uh, that night, Casey's ancestor, he demands the scepter or he'll kill Mitsu. And they give it to him. Uh-oh. They, they've lost the scepter again just when they thought they had it again. Uh-huh. And Walker brings Mitsu to Norinaga. And uh, old Casey gives the scepter to Walker. Now it's a whole who's got the scepter, which was the original title of the movie. Teenage Mutant <laughs> Turtles 3, who's got the scepter? Uh, April and the turtles sneak in. They fat shame the dungeon keeper yet again and free Mitsu from the dungeons. Mitsu has been kidnapped for roughly 35 seconds of screen time. Not a lot of suspense. The turtles learn about the legend of them and they confront Lord Norinaga. You'd think they'd beat him up in that BN, right? Nope. Lots of fighting. People rush in. Very unimpressive fighting. As Stuart said earlier, turtles just swatting guys out of the way. Samurai's falling down. At least one dude. Tries to yeah, at least one dude tried tries to chop a turtle in the back, and I'm like, that's his most protected area, buddy. <laughs> Aim for the noggin, mm-hmm. or as Stuart would call it, the nut. <laughs> his head. Yeah, I call it that all uh, the time. The turtles free all the imprisoned villagers, and it's a it's a kung, everybody was kung fu fighting, except they're not actually. They're just kind of waving swords around and uh-huh. punching each other. Uh, Noronaga and Leonardo sword fight. It ends with Leo cutting off Noronaga's top knot which is the ultimate disrespect. 
Yeah. He's been totally dishonored. And then he drops a huge bell on him, which is less disrespectful, but probably hurt more than getting his top knot cut off. Yeah, uh, I mean, the, Walker has kidnapped is, April. That's threading quite a needle there, dropping that giant bell on that guy. Because, like, if they're off by a fraction, that thing's smashing the hell out of him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what if they did that? But there's also a clapper inside that bell. So that probably that would have smashed his skull wide open. It's it, not like a bell is just a hollow thing. Well, wait, is that the type of bell that has a clapper or is that one of the ones that you just like ring by hitting it with a giant log? Oh, maybe that's what it is. You just hit it with a mallet or a log. Maybe uh-huh. that's it. Maybe it is hollow. Like it's I'm like it's some kind of fucking ATST, right, guys? <laughs> I don't know. What <laughs> just hitting it with a giant log. Because <laughs> you hit it with a log. Dan, it's about the Battle of Endor. Come on. Okay. Many brave Ewoks died that day. And do you think there's a do you think there's a like a Battle of Endor memorial battlefield and a visitor center? And in the visitor center, there's a video that's like, and brave men on the sides of the Empire and the Ewok village gave their lives for what they believed in that day. Mm-hmm. And then a little kid looks up at his mom and he's like, but what happened to all the bodies of the stormtroopers? And she's like, Shh, don't say anything about that. <laughs> And there's but there's like a statue of a speeder bike trooper that was put up when the Ewoks wanted equal rights in the, you know, 100 years later. And they're like, we want to respect our heritage, uh-huh. our heritage of speeder bike riders. And now the Ewoks are like, let's take down these statues, huh? They weren't even that, – that's his, that's not history. That's just hate. And all these Imperial stormtroopers are like, that's my heritage. Hey, stop it. Do you think that's happening? Uh, yeah, Dan, you want to walk into this minefield? Yeah, I was like, but this is a really great, uh, you know, uh, metaphor to explore, I think. <laughs> yeah, Dan, sorry. I don't want to offend all of our conf- all our neo-Confederate listeners. Sorry, Dan. Uh, it's more of the conflation of, uh, the, the civil rights struggle with, the uh, <laughs> Ewoks, maybe, that I... The Ewoks are the heroes, Dan! I, I agree. I see uh, what you're saying. so, moving on. <laughs> All right. I'll just leave that racial minefield unstepped in, mostly. I think I stepped in one or two mines, it's, it's but mostly cool. it's okay. Yeah. Uh... Walker has April. Medieval Casey Jones, even though he's a turncoat, says, no, don't shoot him. That wasn't part of the deal. But Walker says, maybe I'll shoot you too. Leonardo challenges Walker to shoot them. He goes, hey, don't have your men do it. You do it yourself. Uh, Our demon magic will just protect us, and the bullets will bounce back. Everyone's too afraid except Walker, who fires a cannon at them. But Leo, he fires at Leonardo's head. But Leonardo ducks into his shell. And the cannonball hits the bell, uh, and everyone's okay. And it breaks the bell. Uh, Walker runs away because he's now the villain of the movie, Lord Noronaga having been mostly forgotten about by this and point. totally shamed, dude. Like, nobody's scared of a guy with his yeah. top knot chopped off. You know, the, the, idea, of, the idea of a samurai a warlord like in- being defeated in combat, and then instead of being killed, which is what he would have wanted, instead oh, sure. he gets his hair cut off and stuck in a bell. Like, oh my lord, that's so offensive. Unless it was Kristen Bell, am I right? Up top, uh, okay. I, 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 guess, I guess like what, like like she's a tauntaun and he's yeah. stuck inside her belly. <laughs> yeah, I thought she smelled bad on the outside. <laughs> wow, Elliot's burning Dan, bridges today. <laughs> Dan, is that something people say about Kristen Bell? You're she, friends with her. She smells on the outside. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'll call up Dax Shepard and see what he has to say about it. That's a Star Wars name, Dan. That's not a real person. <laughs> uh, anyway. Walker. Then there's a very weird running gag where Walker is running for his life away from the turtles, but he keeps going out of his way to save his pet birds in a little bird cage. 
And I couldn't remember even being introduced to these bird characters before. But he's just like, oh, my birds, I'll, I'll take you. Like he's that it's it's just this very strange comedy moment. They go to a couple times of like suddenly he loves birds. Which yeah, it's, is a not great, part of his character it's a great little character before. touch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Walker throws the scepter away to distract them from his escape, but the turtles catch it, and Walker ends up plummeting very fakely off of a cliff into raging waters, like the Testament song of the same name. Mm-hmm. Uh, the turtles debate whether to stay or go back home, which is crazy, because one, they will have stranded five samurai from the 17th century in modern-day New York, which is just, like, that's not okay. You're basically killing them. Yes, and although they're having a great time with Casey Jones singing karaoke and yeah. watching hockey. Yeah, and my favorite scene in the movie where they're all hanging out playing a video game in a bar that is blasting uh, Tarzan Boy. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I wouldn't uh, want to go back to feudal Japan either. But then the scepter starts up. Uh-oh, Kenshin has turned it on in the present. Uh, because, And again, so you're, you're asking me to believe that this scepter hasn't started up at any other point in history. Kenshin could do whatever he wants. He could go to the Old West. He could go to the future. He could go to, I don't know, like uh, the Russo-Japanese War and celebrate the victory over Russia that Japan had in that year. Or maybe go to Portsmouth and help Teddy Roosevelt negotiate the treaty that ended that war and which netted Teddy Roosevelt a Nobel Peace Prize. Kenshin, you could have a Nobel Peace Prize. Yeah, so you're giving him a lot of options. Why you choose the point where you came from? Yeah, like all of time is his menu. He could go anywhere he wants. Go ride a mammoth. Go eat a dinosaur. Whatever you want to do, Kenshin. Although I guess he can only go to places that the scepter existed. So maybe he can't ride a mammoth. So how far back do you think the scepter goes, Dan? Yeah, Dan. When did they build (laughs) the scepter? Hey, why am I the scepter expert? Uh, uh, You know, it's one of the... It's a fucking immortal. I don't know. Waffling around on his scepter knowledge here. Okay. Wow, Dan, I'm not going to go to you for any more scepter questions. Uh, anyway, they, it, it all goes fine. They, they, Mitsu says they have to go back. Only by me marrying Kenshin can we end this war. Okay, didn't know that that was ever an option, but sure. <laughs> fine, let's, uh, make sense. Uh, and they transfer back, but Michelangelo's not with him, but then he does come back. It's like they decide to, to fake you out for about 15 seconds that Michelangelo stayed back there. Yeah, isn't did. there a moment where Michelangelo and Raphael are like, oh, no, don't worry, me and Raphael aren't leaving, and then everyone's like, uh, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> this It becomes like an A-team episode where they've got to, like, drug them, like B.A. Baracus to get them <laughs> back in time. Uh, everyone's back in their right times. Naranaga gets the scepter back, which seems crazy that they're now giving him a time travel weapon. Uh, Mitsu and Kenshi are reunited, and they kiss each other. And Michelangelo's sad until Splinter cheers him up by acting silly. And Michelangelo's like, yeah, you're right. We're silly around here. This is great. Uh, And the turtles go back to dancing, as they did at the beginning of the movie. (laughs) They're dancing, having been interrupted by (laughs) April's gifts. (laughs) They return to it. And so the film begins as ends as it began in Ouroboros, snake eating its own tail. (laughs) Time everlasting, Ragnarok in cycles forever. Unable to break the circle of destiny. Yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, Turtles in Time. As it was in the end, so shall it be in the beginning. <laughs> the Alpha and Omega forever and ever, as it is on Earth, in Heaven. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Jesus, this has gone long, and my computer is running out of battery. So we should, uh, we should, uh, some, we should do our final fine. judgments and move on to the next stuff in this podcast okay dan since you're you you're chomping at the bit to uh Champing. to do this uh do this thing what do yeah. you think 
Uh, well, is this a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie I kind of liked? <laughs> yeah, uh, is it your favorite turtle movie, your second favorite turtle movie, or third favorite turtle movie? Uh, what I have to say about this is... <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I haven't seen the middle turtle movie. You didn't see part two, Secret I have of not the Ooze? Secret of the Ooze. So you don't know the Secret of the Ooze. Don't tell him, Stuart. I'm, I'm no not I'm legally obligated not to. Uh, <laughs> the Ooze's secret, Dan? The Ooze's secret is that it's actually a dude. Here's what I'll say about this movie. Um, it's not good. <laughs> it's not like I didn't laugh at it out of its badness. What I thought was like, if I was a kid, I'd probably like this. That was my reaction yeah. to it. That's like, how I felt too. If I was a kid, I would enjoy this movie a lot, but it's stupid. Yeah. It's kind of innocent. It's kind of fun. That's basically where I'm at. Yeah, you're probably right. And it's not it's not made for grown up palates. It's like it's probably like the food you eat in like a high school cafeteria where there's certain elements that there's certain things that you'll have that you you really like. Like uh, I had a friend who was obsessed with the chicken patties in the school cafeteria. But I'm sure that as a grown up, if you were to eat them again, he would be like, uh, I don't like these anymore. That's kind of what this movie is yeah. like. Yeah, so I would I'm going to call this a good bad movie because it's not a good movie, but kids might like it and kids have terrible taste in things. Yeah. They are stupid. No, they like the Muppets. What? Uh, the Muppets are great, Stuart. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was just trying to get a rise out of you guys, you know. <laughs> trying and to And you uh, certainly did. Yeah, Dan Steeman over here. Look at him. <laughs> There's literally steam shooting out of my ears. <laughs> yeah. But he can't really see it because he got headphones on. I know. It's what's burning my ears. It's just it has no place to go. It just and keeps it's just recirculating. Good for the headphones either. No, no, no. no. <laughs> That's terrible. Okay, so what do we do now, Dan? Uh well, before we move on, we have a sponsor for today's show. Oh yeah, and uh, to clarify, this is my third favorite turtle movie. Okay. Good to know. Yeah, I'm also gonna call it my third favorite turtle movie, yeah. Um after uh but the other two are not Ninja Turtle movies. The, my, okay. my first two favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my first, probably oh that, that cartoon what was it called the Red Turtle just came out recently. Oh yeah, that's great. I haven't seen it, but I heard it was good. So that goes to number one. Yeah, the the movie poster think, alone is pretty great. Yeah, and then I think my second favorite turtle movie is My Dinner with Andre because Wallace Shawn is kind of turtley. <laughs> yeah. No, my first favorite movie, my first favorite turtle movie is Hackers because it's got Fisher Stevens in it. That's true. <laughs> Everybody, I'm your oldest brother, Justin McElroy. I'm your middlest brother, Travis McElroy. And I'm your sweet baby brother, Griffin McElroy. Me and 3,000 of your closest friends just found your next podcast obsession. Cereal! Okay, but like, the second best podcast. Oh, f- just listen to my brother, my brother, and me on MaximumFun.org. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. Hello, I'm Carrie Poppy. And I'm Ross Blotcher, hosts of MaximumFun.org's Ono, Ross, and Carrie. We wanted to tell you the good news that our podcast is now weekly. Yeah, weekly. On Ono, Ross, and Carrie, we don't make extraordinary claims. We investigate them. We go undercover with fringe religious groups, investigate paranormal claims, and participate in pseudoscientific medical treatments and report our findings to you. In a time where alternative facts reign supreme, we cut through the murky spin to give you the real deal on topics like UFOs, the anti-vaccination, 
Christian movement, Scientology, and even apocalyptic churches. We're even undercover for some very exciting investigations right now. Well, not right now, right now. Yeah, that would be unwise. That's Ono, Ross, and Carrie at MaximumFun.org. We show up so you don't have to. Our podcast is sponsored in part by Squarespace. Oh, thanks. Turn your cool idea into a new website. Okay. And you can use that website, if you like, to sell products and services of all kinds. Okay. Squarespace gives you this ability by providing you with beautiful templates. The ability to customize your site with just a few clicks. Built-in search engine optimization. And 24-7 award-winning customer support. So, if you have a good idea for a website, why not just make it? And make it stand out with Squarespace to create a beautiful website. Now, now, Dan, Squarespace sounds great. Can they help me? I don't have a good idea for a website, but I do have a bad idea for a website, and I want to talk about it. Yeah, you it's, should probably uh, talk about it. Let's talk about it. It's a, it's a, it's a website called NowIt'sGotSexSounds.com. We take <sighs> every movie and television show, and we add sex sounds to the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Just to like give it a little bit of extra thrill, and so for instance, Teenage Mutant Turtles three, Turtles in Time, we would include a lot of uh, just you know oohs and ahs, a lot of moaning over the soundtrack. <laughs> okay, to no. make it inappropriate, and now it's like, oh, this yeah, movie's go, not for the kids anymore. Now it's for go, dad. It'll go ooh ee ooh ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there'll be a lot of ting tangs and walla walla bing bangs. So yep, Dan, you yeah, think Squarespace can help sounds. with that? Yeah. Now. uh Mostly what we do is uh, – and I'll just keep talking as Dan plugs in his computer and makes a lot of noise. Uh, now, mostly what we do on this website is we take requests from people where they're like, this show's not sexy enough. Can you add sex sounds to it? And then we do that. It takes – it's very time intensive because we really mix down the audio. And so we've been trying to monetize it with a website. So, Dan, do you think Squarespace could help us with that? Whatever that was, it sounded great. <laughs> I had to get up and do some technical stuff, so well, I had no Dan idea gives what tacit approval to your uh, idea. I have no idea right, what Dan, Alex just pitched. You don't ever. Need, you'll find out what you agreed to when you listen to the episode. Oh, great! So, let's move on. So Squarespace sounds great, and I love it. Let's move on, shall we? Well, Thank you, Squarespace. Well, no, hold on. Hold on. Help you help other people. Hold on. The most important part of the ad: go to squarespace.com for a free trial. <laughs> And when you're ready to launch, use the offer code FLOP to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. You got you to gotta give them the chance to use the offer code. Yeah, give yeah, them the true. chance, I, dude. I kind of assumed that you would finish the ad and then get up to plug in your computer. But no, you decided to interrupt in well, the middle of the ad. Well, you were talking. Yeah, you saw you ramping up I saw there. that there was uh, – <laughs> I saw my opportunity and I went for it. I knew that yeah, there was going to be no need for me to talk for the next minute or so. That's a good idea. You know me. I'm always hungry for talking. <laughs> um, is there anything else we need to plug? I guess our live show in San Francisco. Yeah. People should get well, tickets I, to our live show in San Francisco. On uh, December 9th. Yeah. December the, 9th, our live show in San Francisco. Go to flophousepodcast.com slash events. It's at the Marines Memorial Theater. It's our second time in California, but our first time in San Fran, the Bay Area, City by the Bay, Rice Place. Uh Chai Town, mm-hmm. and uh, it's going to be a super fun show. I don't know what movie we're doing yet. No, we haven't discussed it, but it, it'll be a good one. It'll be a good I one. I promise it and, will be a good one. And unless and medical needs pending, all of us will be there. 
Yeah, well, let's not talk uh, too much about that. Stop looking at me like that, guys. Um, now, now I have a Jumbotron you got a to Jumbotron. announce. Do we have any other sponsors? Before no, we that's it. That? Okay, guys, it's Jumbotron time. Jumbotron. Welcome to Jumbotron time. Okay, uh, so this is a message that goes like this. <clears throat> Cold Dog Soup is a podcast that lambasts terrible poetry and prose. Listen to us now for a six-part series of the worst unfinished novella you've ever heard. That's Cold Dog Soup. Listen, rate, and subscribe to the podcast Cold Dog Soup. So, some kind of uh, poetry and prose lambasting podcast. I'll try it. Cold Dog Soup. Yeah. Mm, cold Dog Soup. Mm-hmm. Yum. It's, uh, yeah, it's, like hot, well, it's like hot dog water. Yeah. But cold. Now, Stuart, do you remember, is Dog Soup, was that the name of one of the serial killers in Sandman at the serial killer convention? I thought Dog Soup was that uh, that Marx Brothers movie. No, that's Duck Soup. Are you sure? I think it's Dog Soup. No, you know what? You're probably right. It is. You know what? <laughs> I, seem, right to, on this one, I seem to know more about the Marx Brothers than you guys, so I think it's. <laughs> I think I'm right. Oh, I just remembered that right. uh, I was supposed to plug the fact that uh, I'm going to be on the Best Acquaintances podcast uh, on an episode that should be out by the time this episode comes out. So, and if, what is that? It's a an interview podcast where people who are just internet uh, friends with one another get to know each other better by talking over the uh, web web waves with each <laughs> other. And so, <laughs> if you want to hear me interviewed. Uh, listen to the Best Acquaintances podcast. Sounds great. And I just looked it up. Yes, Dog Soup is the killer in the Sandman issue where the guy's like, Dog Soup is a woman? At the Serial Killers Convention. But that has nothing to do with the podcast called Dog Soup. All right, great. Good stuff. Okay, what do we do now? Uh, Now we uh, answer a few letters from listeners. Listeners like you, presumably. Like me? I'm not a listener, Dan. I'm on the show. Okay. I'm sorry. I apologize. I did I just win a contest? And that's why I've been a co-host for ten <laughs> yep. years. Uh-huh. It was well. It's more like a. You, it's more like a curse. <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> a curse on you guys. Yeah. Um, you got to put up with me. So this first letter is from a gentleman named John. Last name withheld. Mm-hmm. And he Dies writes at the end. <laughs> hey, hey, peaches. My wife has a decently sophisticated sense of humor. Oh, wow. Stop <laughs> wow, talking, okay. Stop talking about how you love your wife. <laughs> <laughs> I hope she doesn't listen to this because you're going to be sleeping on the couch tonight John dies at the end. This guy's going to be the next thick wife guy. Uh, she has a decently sophisticated <laughs> sense of humor. Yes. But you, I forgot about that one already. <laughs> but you get a silly scene with a man screaming, think Chris Farley kind of delivery, and it's a guaranteed laugh for her. I was wondering, do any of you three have a comedy weakness where jokes of a certain type or delivery are way more likely to get a laugh from you, regardless of quality? Keep on flopping. R-O-C-K in the USA. John, last name withheld. So, do you have a weak weak spot, comedy-wise? Obviously, obviously I like esoteric pop culture references. (laughs) Uh, I don't. I don't think there's anything I have that is specifically like I'm definitely gonna laugh at it, no matter the quality, except maybe just people falling down. But I'll tell you what I do, what the I've the opposite of, which is something I will never laugh at. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, that is 
when it when somebody starts talking and it, you're like, hey, that's not how I expected them to sound. I call it the rapping granny principle, where it's yeah. like, I didn't expect that granny to start rapping. I will not laugh at that. What if not funny to me? What if there's like a kid who starts talking and all of a sudden they've got like a really low voice? Well, that's if you dubbed an adult's <laughs> voice into a kid that like that would be funny. But if it was like this kid has a real foul mouth or like this yeah. kid is talking like a grown up talks that mm-hmm. I don't find that particularly funny. Uh, uh, so you probably shouldn't watch Young Sheldon. <laughs> yeah. Dan, what about you? You like uh, jokes? Yeah, I don't know that there's like I can't think of really like a particular type of joke that I feel like is a weak point for me. There are certain like I will watch a terrible action buddy comedy and I will know that the comedy is not good, but I will still watch it. That's like kind of a weak point in a similar vein. Not not exactly what we're talking about, but like there is nothing else to watch on a plane I was on recently, and God help me, I watched Chips because I was like, <laughs> of all the watched, options, like, I'm not, I'm not reading a you book. You watched a bag of chips? Yeah, I watched a bag of. <laughs> of <laughs> what did it do? Did it do anything? Uh, well, at one point it opened, but that was me opening it. It didn't kind of do it on its own, like. Wow, no so agency. It's an interactive thing. Yeah. yeah, it was an interactive. <laughs> it was like an Oculus That's Rift. Cool. It's Oculus Chips. Yeah. So, Dan, how was Chips? Uh, pretty bad. Pretty bad. Speaking of Dak Shepard, it was it was pretty bad. You going to recommend that today on the podcast? Uh, <laughs> yep. There, uh, there was uh, a lot of gay panic in that uh, movie. Not, not, not a funny thing. Well, that but that movie must have been made ten or twenty years ago, right? <laughs> oh no, no, my friend. You would think that based on the fact that it's based on chips, a movie, <laughs> the food. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, it, do you guys think that anyone would make a movie called Gay Panic, which is a comedy about idiot straight guys who are worried that people think they're gay, but clearly like they're they are morons? Uh, man, what what was I now pronouncing no, Chuck just, and Larry about? <laughs> Well, that was kind of well, but they were pretending to be gay to get health benefits. What was right? that yeah. movie with Cuba Gooden Jr. and boat Roger trip? Moore on the boat? Boat trip. Boat trip. Yeah, that was that? a gay panic movie. Yeah, I mean, well, that was really a poor vacation planning movie, and <laughs> I find that if anything, even more offensive. They didn't do the research. They didn't use a qualified travel agent. I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, like at that point, they don't deserve to enjoy their vacation. I don't want to watch that movie, but I am curious on how, about how they got on that boat. The only, <laughs> literally, the only explanation that would make sense to me is if they were in a shipwreck <laughs> and they got picked up by this gay party cruise. What if they're like a couple of like thieves that are running from the cops because they just performed a diamond heist? Oh, that's a, like a so- classic '80s way to get into things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they'll get, they'll get on any boat. Is what you're saying. Cause, they're like, just trying to get on a boat. Yeah. They're just trying to get away. Trying to get to international waters so they can finally eat all those diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's how it works? Yeah, yeah. And then their skin turns into diamonds and then the movie's over. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it's kind of like a Wishmaster thing? Like, be careful what you wish for? <laughs> no, I mean, to this movie. that's exactly what you want to have happen so you can get rid of this, like, 
frail flesh. Oh, okay. And attain a crystal form. It's called crystal oh, ships. Like it's that that. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what other letters do you have, Dan? <laughs> okay. I think we answered that one. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this one's we know. We know you watched chips. That was worth it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This one's from Matt. Last name withheld. Who writes? Matt Fraction. I always come back to the flop house. <laughs> I always come back to the flop house when crappy chores have got me down. As of this writing, I'm drawing and unsticking cookbooks from a kitchen kitchen futz up, and started wondering. Obviously, there are theater snacks like popcorn, but do you have associations between foods and film viewings, memorable meals and movies, dinner dates and director's cuts gone wrong? Thanks for all the goofs, and keep flop-flipping. Matt, last name withheld. So, just sort of a general question about food in the movies, ultimately. <laughs> like, okay. do we have food associations with the movies, or are there particular meals in the movies that stick with us, or... Anything I'll like tell that. you about a time I couldn't eat while watching a movie. All right, it was uh, I was watching the movie Sandman, starring our friend Eric. Uh, yeah, it's a very creepy horror movie. Oh yeah, that was great. And I was like, it was really good. And I was like, oh, I'll just have dinner while I watch this. And very quickly, and I was like, I'm not going to be able to eat while I watch this. This is making me too uncomfortable to eat. <laughs> yeah, because you can't you can't eat around Eric, right? Because he's gross. <laughs> wow. Uh, uh, no, well, no, that's not it. I mean, he's a great guy. I've had many meals with him. <laughs> Uh, and a, and I mean, frequent listener. I think I, I think I ate dinner next to him at your wedding. <laughs> yeah, you might have. I think so. Uh, so I was wondering what your problem was. I had no problem eating right in front of him. No, it had nothing to do with him. <laughs> more, more the the uh, footage taken from no budget horror movies because uh-huh. the movie is kind of like three quarters a real documentary, one quarter a fake documentary. Yeah. Uh, it, that was. I was like, I can't watch these really gross, no budget horror movies while I'm eating my dinner. Mm-hmm. But uh, when it comes to meals in the movies, there's no meal I want to be at more than the Skeksis feast in the Dark Crystal. My, I'm sure I've said this on the podcast, but my mom, every time we had a big family meal with any kind of like cooked meat, she would always refer to it as roast nebri, like they refer to the when uh, in the Skeksis feast. Oh, I think she still cool does. Mom. If we if if I were to go home for Thanksgiving, that turkey's getting called a roast nebbery. <laughs> <laughs> but that was I think I could I think I might have said this before. I could watch that fee scene for probably 20 straight minutes. It's great. Just them eating gross things and smacking their lips and using those little finger forks. And I love when like the little thing gets loose and is running down the table and they're all like slamming on it, trying to eat it. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. Such awesome uh, monsters. Yeah. Yeah. What a great scene. Dan, why do you hate them? Why do I hate what? Skeksis. Because they're the bad guys, right? Dan uh, says who? Dan identifies more with the ancients. <laughs> Ugh, the boring ones. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, do the oh, ancient ha- ones have an army of giant crab monsters? Last time I checked, they did not. Oh, but you know what? I, I just want to sit around doing low throat singing <laughs> over and over again. Why would I, I mean, want to ha- watch tastes, a sword dude. fight? I identify more with yeah, those I guess like, tall horses things that they ride around on. That's what are they called? Striders yeah. or something? Or I mean that walkers? name makes sense. Yeah, they do stride. Oh, do they ever. Dan, what about you? Food movie memories? Uh I don't have any I I don't have any memories of like where I associate eating a particular thing with a film or anything like that. There are a couple of uh scenes and movies that uh, that I remember involving food like at the end of big night where he cooks that 
omelet in one take. It's just like a long take of him making an omelet for his brother after their disastrous big night of the title. And then there's also... Are you sure that you're not thinking of uh, Omelette the movie? <laughs> yeah. Um, and also, there's that movie that's not very good called Spanglish, starring Adam Sandler. But there's a scene uh, where he makes himself a sandwich, which is all pretty much done in like one long... It's not like a long take because they're cuts, but it's like one long sequence where he's making himself a sandwich and then his wife comes in and they get into a big argument while his sandwich is just sitting there on the table. And you can tell that there's nothing more that he wants in life than to eat this sandwich before like there's like an egg on it and it's getting cold and it's going to congeal. And like it's just like this beautiful sandwich he's made is ruined because he's gotten to this argument with his wife. And uh, it's a pretty good scene in the middle of a B minus movie. But uh, I guess I just like long, long sequences where people just show off a skill like cooking, you know? Hmm. Uh, so for me, this has nothing to do with movies. I One of my strongest food memories and a piece of pop culture was uh, when I was a teenager, after, uh, uh, after soccer practice, we had a soccer practice which ended early because there was a police chase through the park we were playing soccer. And so, and there was like a possible gun scare. So, so soccer practice ended early. And I think to make me feel better, my mom drove me by the comic shop and got me a pizza hut pan pizza. So I remember sitting in my, sitting in my basement, eating that delicious pizza hut pan pizza and reading, uh, Spider-Man 16, where, uh, it was a crossover between my two favorite comics at the time, Spider-Man and X-Force. That was the sideways issue, right? Yeah, the sideways issue. And uh, that, like, to the to this day, if I'm ever thinking of, like, a, uh, like, if if anyone's ever like, hey, you, you should treat yourself, that's what I imagine <laughs> is me sitting on a couch somewhere eating, you know, butter, you know, delicious buttery crust pizza, <laughs> like See, a Ninja Turtle the, would. I have, the, I have the opposite of that where, my idea of a meal of shame is eating at Ruby Tuesdays because uh, I remember when I got kicked out of camp one summer, my parents had to come pick me up, and it was too late for us to go straight home without eating dinner, so we just stopped at a Ruby Tuesdays and had dinner. And it was like – and I kept thinking in a movie, they would just cut between them picking me up and then the next day, uh-huh. but this was real life, so I had to experience all the time between those two moments yeah. and sit and eat at Ruby Tuesdays and just have them – look at me and think about how they were going to have to deal with me for a couple weeks. They didn't was expect it, to. Was it the, was it the lunch special? Cause they have a pretty solid lunch special with uh, where you get like a burger, like, like mini burgers and some salad bar. Was it that? No, it Did was dinner. Oh, no, it was, it was dinner. dinner. Yeah. I want, no, I think I probably had chicken fingers. <laughs> my one association with the Ruby Tuesdays, the one time I ate there, I got uh, something with like uh, onion rings. And in the middle of my <laughs> onion rings was a fried rubber band. And <laughs> oh, are you sure that gross. wasn't just an onion? Because like, they taste very similar. <laughs> the you're, no, they're like this wasn't the kind of ring I was looking yeah, for. I pointed it out to the waitress, and she's like, "Uh, let me get you a free Sunday." <laughs> <laughs> that's my. That's, and you said point McCoy. I love I love that that option of like, I gave you the wrong thing, and I'm going to give you a free dessert, dude, because it looks yet like you'd like it. Yeah. Like my wife, my wife got a. We went to a fancy restaurant and they gave her the complete wrong fish dish. And she's 
allergic to a lot of things. And the, the waitress, the waitress's response was, Oh, Oh, well I guess desserts on us. And it's like, no, bring me the thing I wanted. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I guess the only other food memory I have is when uh, I was young and my family was visiting France and I ate an oyster for the first time and the taste was so powerful that I knew from that day forward I wanted to have a TV show where I would go to foreign countries and exoticize them, but pretend that I was like had a deeper understanding of them than maybe even the people who live there. <laughs> and that's how you became Anthony Bourdain. Yep, exactly. Dan got it. Uh, so this is last one is from David, last name withheld. Oh, boy. Elliot's it's brother. my brother, though. <laughs> oh, God. It's been so long. I thought we had freed ourselves. Hello, Floptastic Trio. I'm sorry I haven't written in so long. I'm uh, sure you missed me. But that's the same thing a serial killer who has just reappeared <laughs> after a decade writes to the police chief. Yep, he gave us all the clues. Yeah, but Mr. Policeman. But once Elliot moved to L.A., I took it as a sign that he was trying to limit his contact with me. I'll tr- well, No comment. I'll try and keep it quick, as I imagine your patience with me has run pretty thin if I caused Elliot to move. So here goes. I did not intend to leave Elliot hanging with my urgent message about the taxidermic frog museum in split Croatia. <laughs> it was more a result of low data on my international cell phone plan. For flop fans in need of proof this exists, I will post the photo on the group Facebook page. More to the point, Stuart's concern over frogs choosing a sport that doesn't utilize their powerful back legs is well taken. Mm-hmm. But competitive high-level rowing actually requires an enormous amount of lower body strength, and as such, hypothetically, might be ideal for a team of frogs. Feel free to expound on the exciting places following this to its logical conclusions would take you. Thanks as always, and if you want to see the museum in person sometime, Croatia is lovely and not just for its taxidermy. David, last name withheld, Elliot's brother. Uh, actually, that was very nice. Thanks for the Frog Museum recommendation, Dave. <laughs> and uh, yeah, head on over to the Facebook page, I guess, if you want to see this these frogs rowing a boat. Yeah, I saw it. It was quite something. <laughs> I still think that frogs are really going to enjoy jumping-based sports more. Sure. Yep. But again, am I just assuming that because society has forced them into jumping-based sports? Maybe I'm the one who's being stereotyping here. Yeah, maybe, you know? maybe, they're, maybe they like rowing because... It's kind of the opposite of what you'd expect. You'd expect them to be good at swimming or water polo, but instead mm-hmm. they're outside of the water traveling on it. Yeah. 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 Or like hurdles or pole vault. Yeah. Yeah. Or jumping sports. It's a new paradigm in frogs. <laughs> I wish that was the slogan of your new business, Dan. <laughs> you're like, we, and you're doing like an Apple style like product launch, and you're like, we took a look at frogs and we realized there's a lot of improvements to be made. And wait, there's more. Okay. Now this frog has boobs. Okay. Wow. <laughs> wow. Is, is it like, is it like Diggum? The Sugar Smacks frog? <laughs> wait, does he? Wait, <laughs> hold on. I mean, he's just an anthropomorphic frog. That, yeah, but. Yeah, he just wear. Yeah, but you know, let's dig him. But yeah, sure. He's wearing that loose. He's wearing that loose shirt, so you don't know what's going on under there. No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no one knows. Yeah, I mean, it's up to your imagination, depending on how you know how creative you're being. Um, There's okay. got to be some kind of deviant art picture of that. Yeah. Unless we've discovered the one cartoon character that nobody has bothered to make deviant art about. Mm-hmm. To sexualize. It's either Digum yeah. or it's or it smacks the the honey bear, whatever his name is. 
Yeah. I Yeah, now I'm just imagining some kid out there, you know, go on just <laughs> discovering sexuality for the first time, watching okay. Saturday morning cartoons. Mhm. Getting it all mixed up in his little brain. Okay. Well, if they were going to it, it would be because they watched uh uh Heathcliff and saw Riff Raff's girlfriend. Oh yeah. I mean, I say that as if I know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, she's an attractive cat lady. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I can imagine that. I mean, she's no Chitara, but sure. come on. I mean, that's more on the lady spectrum than the cat spectrum, though. That's true. That's and true. And she's like... Now, here's my okay. question. Yeah. Now, what we, and she's... No, no, well, let's continue into the fetishization of Chitara. <laughs> no. Just saying they were all naked in that first episode. So, like, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> you so know. that golden crit... So that golden crisp bear. Yeah. Here's my question. Uh, the tricks rabbit. Okay. And that cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs bird became huge stars. People still talk about them to this day. You would think the you would think the uh, the the sugar bear with his smooth voice and his reasonable demeanor would have been a much bigger star. People would have wanted to be around him, but instead these crazier characters got it. How do you explain that? You're saying that um, the other characters you assume were difficult to work with behind the scenes. Whereas, or just they're off. They're off putting. You know, there's nothing comforting about them. Right. I mean, I think it depends. Like, just once again, think about the market. The person who is excited about the character is going to be a child, and children like, uh, you know, like drop dead Freds. Sure. <laughs> children love the irritating and abrasive. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Okay, I can bear that out. That's true. I also do. Uh, so, Dan. Are there any other letters? Or no, that that's the last it. That's uh, okay, I thought I'd so, end on a smash. Oh, I should smash it. I should also David Kalen letter. I should also tell my brother I did not move to lessen my time with you, David. And the fact that I get even less time with you now is one of my regrets about moving. Oh, that's very nice. Well, that's nice. Okay, let's move on. Okay, <laughs> he'll buy that, right? Great. Uh, so the last segment of the show is where we recommend things, movies that we've seen that we actually like that you should watch. Probably instead of the movie we watched for this podcast. Unless you have your own bad movie podcast. In which case, stay in your fucking lane. Wow. <laughs> a harsh <laughs> statement. Throwing the gauntlet down. Um, I mean, I think a little bit of healthy competition is uh, is good for art, you know? Yeah, Dan, why don't you enjoy the free market? Uh, I want everything so for this myself, is the part of the, this is the part of the episode where oh, okay, we recommend well, movies. And Dan is dying to recommend a movie. What okay. is it, Dan? <laughs> Is it chips? Stuart, as always, pushing us along. <laughs> my my uh, recommendation, I went and saw uh, Lady Bird, mm-hmm. the movie that Greta Gerwig wrote and directed. Uh, I, I want to see that. I know that many uh, folks named Stuart in the room are not fans of Noah Baumbach's work, which nope. I assume include his collaborations with Ms. Gerwig. But uh, a lot of what I think you might like about the movies still exists in Lady Bird and, and, Bird and what you might dislike about Noah Baumbach's work mm-hmm. is not there. So I, uh, it's, it's, it's much less, uh, I guess what people would say, call twee. Uh, I like Baumbach, so I don't have that problem, but it's much more of a straightforward kind of warm hearted, uh, coming of age story about, this girl who uh, is at a Catholic school. She's going through a her last year of school, going up into college. It's not a particularly like 
a like special year, but it's also an eventful one. And um, there's a lot about her relationship with her mother, played by Laurie Metcalf, who everyone loves. Because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, she's amazing. And uh, it's like a contentious relationship, but there's obviously a lot of love underneath it, but it's still difficult. And I, I, I like the movie quite a bit. I think that not being a woman who at all <laughs> and not being a woman who had a contentious relationship with her mom like i think that this movie may speak even more to someone who went through that in their own life you know like a someone who had the experience of growing up a young woman and having uh, a difficult relationship with her parent what was that i uh, i think my phone buzzed oh okay uh, so that you're was saying a, this like movie a joy is... buzzer in the middle? It was like, just like a big fart noise. <laughs> I was like, "Ooh, gotta gotta liven this up." Hasn't been it's been a long time without a larf. Yeah. Let's get this going. Uh, so you're saying this movie is potentially deep and affecting? It was affecting to me, but I could see how it would be even more affecting to someone who like went through similar experiences in yeah. their life. Uh, and it's very funny and adorable too. Sounds good. And it's it's about Lady Bird Johnson, the former first lady. <laughs> That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's cool. Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie that. You <laughs> 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 well, you want me to go uh, the, go on with this fucking the, Lady Bird bit? Just the, no, no. I just the want, dismissiveness I just love of the, di- the dismissive. That's cool. Anyway, <laughs> the implication is always that you're what you're about to say is much cooler. <laughs> Uh yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a touching coming of age film. That's cool. Anyway, so this one's called Blood Boob. Oh <laughs> well. Wow. Uh I'm gonna recommend a movie that just went up on Shudder a little bit ago. It's a low budget horror called movie. Called Blood Boob. <laughs> called Blood Boob. <laughs> uh this is a movie called Found Footage 3D. Uh okay. <laughs> I watch it in 2D. Uh, the oh. premise of the movie is a couple of it is uh a couple of filmmakers are trying to put together a low-budget horror movie, um, and they uh, get the idea to make the... They want to... You know, you need to have an in. So their uh, their in is... Their their hook is that this is going to be the first-ever found-footage movie that's also in 3D, which doesn't make a lot of sense, but that's part of the joke. Um, and uh, so the majority of the movie covers them trying to make this movie and... There's a little bit of internal strife in the people that are there and it uh, they go to a remote location and it's spooky and things start happening and it's pretty great. Um, I think for that type for a found footage movie, it makes a lot of use out of what it has, um, but it's also pretty it's watchable. It's funny. And it um, I don't know. It doesn't like everything's readable. I feel like a lot of found footage films Forget hmm. that, like they have to make a movie that it, other people are going to watch and enjoy watching. Uh, it's like they go too far into the into the found footageness of it. Yeah, and yeah. Forget that you're going to be you as a viewer are still going to be watching it as a as a film, not as home someone's home movies. Yeah. So check it out. And I, uh, that's cool. I'm going to recommend a movie <laughs> that. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to recommend a movie from 1953. What a surprise. <laughs> it's an oldie. Uh, it's a movie called Sawdust and Tinsel. And this is an Ingmar Bergman film before he really like hit into his big stride. Mm-hmm. And so one of the interesting things about it is to see it as kind of like Ingmar Bergman on the way to becoming the artist that 
he would become. I also uh, I like that like sawdust and tinsel sounds like a joke name that someone would come up for an art film. By the way, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, it is it is the story of a the ringmaster of a traveling circus who is having trouble with his mistress, who is one of the performers in the circus, oh, and boy. a love triangle briefly emerges between them and a local actor in the town that they go into. I mentioned this to my wife, and she goes, well, that sounds like the most European movie ever made. <laughs> and it is very European. It's set in the circus, and Europeans love circuses. But uh, it's a it's a really grim movie, as Ingmar Bergman ones are. Uh, it, but it, it's the first movie he made with Sven Nyqvist, the cinematographer, and so it looks amazing. Uh, and it was just, you know, one of these one of these Swedish Ingmar Bergman, you know, life is terrible type movies that I really like a lot. Yeah, real laugh. So if fest. you like his stuff, yeah, yeah. If you like his stuff and you haven't seen it, then Sawdust and Tinsel. There's a section in the beginning of it that's done almost like a silent film uh, that I thought was really cool because uh, it shows his affinity for the films of that era, the era he grew up in. Anyway, that's my recommendation: Sawdust and Tinsel. Deal with it. <clears throat> Okay, I guess I'll have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? You have to deal with it. I mean, Dan, you're doing a pretty good job dealing with it. It's, well, I mean, outside and the inside is all turmoil. Okay. Um, but uh, all right. Well, guys, this has been great. Uh, I still don't know after a decade of doing the show how to end a program, so I'm just kind of rambling note, on, and I'm going to say uh, <laughs> goodbye and uh, say that my name has been Dan McCoy. That's cool. Uh, I've been Stuart Wellington. <laughs> I think both of you guys are cool, and I'm Elliot Kalen. Good night, everybody. Turtles forever. Bye. Dan, let's go through our daily affirmations that you and I go through every day. Uh, I call you at 5 in the morning my time, which is 8 in the morning your time, just so I can get you kind of in the morning on, on while you're getting ready. Uh-huh. It's a huge burden on me. Because it gets into my sleep, and I can't really get back to sleep afterwards. But here's what Dan and I go through every day. We say, okay, my name is Dan. People like me. They like me for a reason. The reason they like me is because I'm a good person. I'm a good person, and I'm a talented person. People like me, and they deserve to like me. And I deserve their liking. And I have Dan say that 40 times every morning. It's very confusing, Elliot. I think we can get a simpler <laughs> affirmation. Like one that Ugh, doesn't go Dan, through so I'm trying many to, this, Every morning, it's the same thing. I'm trying to help you, and you're like, can we, can we cut down this affirmation? It's like, oh, come on. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.